Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. We are here for our final podcast of the season. Unfortunately, because of the context of uh, why I'm saying that, uh, we might bring you some stuff over the summer we normally do. Um, but I feel, it does feel like it's been a very long time since we've had a break from this because we brought you so much amazing content over lockdown, of course. Whether I'm, recording, I'm actually recording another pod tomorrow, Stephen. Who? Who is? I think I am. <laughs> All right, okay. For for the wise men's here. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. That'll be out later in the week. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I forgot but, about yeah. that one. Actually, there's two. There's two there's that might two, be getting yeah, done yeah. this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you can't just disregard uh, everything yeah. I've just said. And um, as chaotic as ever, but we've got two specialist podcasts <laughs> coming out for you this week, perhaps. But this will be the last one when we're talking about, yeah. um, you know, current affairs in, in, in relation to Sunderland and the first team anyway. So that's Gareth Barkey. Good to you there. I'm Stephen Goldsmith. Joining us tonight to talk about uh, things is Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo. Are you okay, Phil? Evening. I like how it sounds as if Gareth's just doing a monologue. I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> no, well, actually, it's a, you might be interested in this because it, it's... A, it's supposed to be tomorrow, so hopefully you know it'll uh, go ahead as planned. Um, but we'll we're doing a little bit of a chat with uh, Chris Rushworth from Durham, um, just about um, obviously a bit on Sunderland and obviously a bit on the cricket, which is back. So you know, I was going to say he is, he is a cricket yeah. player for those who don't follow. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's a, he's actually he's broken like about ten records this season, and he, he already. Um, Durham, he's now Durham's all-time wicket-taker, Yeah, he? he is. A, I think he's got 700 list there. Mm. Well, so 700 first-class wickets across all competitions. He's also Durham's lead, now Durham's leading wicket-taker. And I think he got his thousandth wicket or something in the in, yeah. in at the weekend. So, you know, he's just racking them up. So, yeah, he's um, Durham's stalwart. And he'll be joining us here to have a chat about... Um, you know, obviously a bit about Sunderland. He's got a pod as well and just a bit on the cricket because obviously he can go back to the cricket um, now and that's on all summer. So we'll have a little bit of a chat about, you know, where you can go and see it down at the Riverside. Um, so that might be of interest to a few people. But that's about yeah. it, really. I mean, Shad might as well tell other people what the other one is going to be now. I mean, we'd be like, start, started by saying, like, you're not be hearing from us again, and then just, yeah, like, yeah. try to shut it down. It's like, all yeah. right, let's do loads of self-promotion about these yeah, these yeah. things we're going to be releasing for you this week. Um, we will also, in, in some form, we're still trying to finalise who's available to do it. We will be speaking to um, Steph Horton this week as well. Of course, uh, another Sunderland fan. Um, 
captain of the England women's team, Man City as well. So that will be good to catch up with her and um, and speak to her because we, we've we've had a few in the past, a few Sunderland uh, ladies players on, haven't we? But we've never spoken to Steph, so that'll be canny. So two great podcast feelers for you to um, watch out for, actually. And then, um, and then we'll not do anything else. Yeah, then we might. We Until might August. We'll see. We'll see. Tempting. I don't know. Me and the boy Keelan's talked about doing stuff for England, but we might have to step across to the From the Terraces podcast for that one. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, anyway, Sunderland are out of the um, promotion race now. They beat Lincoln City 2 1 um, and went out on aggregate 3 2. So I think, you know, before we get into that, Phil. Just nice to be, you know, have fans back in the ground. Um, very emotional for a lot of people. And I know it's a bit cliched when you say 10,000 people sound like 40,000 people, but generally inside the ground, 10,000 people sound like 40,000 people. It's the best atmosphere I've seen possibly since Everton under Sam Allardyce. Yeah, it's one of those where it sounds like trite, doesn't it? But it is actually true. You know, it, it genuinely did feel like it was a full house. And I think it was definitely the best atmosphere I think since they dropped into League One you know in terms of the across the game rather than just you know sort of an individual moments obviously you've got like Gucci's header against Charlton and stuff but it was it was amazing just the whole day really was sort of like even just in the morning going for a cup of coffee and people starting to mill about in their Sunland shirts and just little stuff that you've kind of forgotten about you know that you get so used to and you know having other people on the bridge when I was walking across you know just little things like that it was it was such like a, I don't know, it was weird. It was just such a, in a lot of ways, such a great day. Then also, obviously, absolutely naff um, by the end of it. But the the occasion itself, it was it was it was a really emotional one, um, and just so disappointing that it kind of fizzled out the way it did, really, because you know the first forty five minutes, you know, you take away League One or whatever of that, that was on its way to being one of the great games I think at the Stadium of Light. I really do, um, and then. I suppose, kind of fitting for the season as a whole, I guess. It just kind of, you know, just faded away, didn't it? They built your hopes up and then uh, and then crushed them. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, that first half, and I don't know, I know you were you weren't fortunate enough to go to the, to the match, Gareth, so I don't know how it came across on the telly, so I'd be interested to know how what you both think about this. But we were watching the game, and it's, it's everything you ask for as a fan, firstly, you know, bare minimum, you know, look to win the second balls, look to get in the faces, close everything down, play with a high tempo, and um, Sunderland did all of that. Uh, I don't think there was a great tactical mass p- to plan behind it, apart from the shape was obviously set up to play in a certain way, you know, the two strikers, for example. And um, it was clear to me, it was clear to me after 35 minutes that they were knackered and they couldn't sustain that for the rest of the game. Would you Would you agree with that? I think it was, it was going to be impossible. I mean, when we got to half-time, it's not just the actual, just normal, physical, you know, rigors of playing that game. It's also the nervous energy and the adrenaline. And when you have that break at half time. We needed a third, didn't we, yeah, before the break? Yeah, we needed the third. And I think once once that all of that sort of exits your body almost all of, you know, it's hard to get going again. It's like, you know, it's and I think I think they tried in the second half. What did what well, did stick in the first half? What did what did um because I haven't seen anything back from the telly yet, okay. I haven't seen any highlights or anything. What did Ross Stewart the challenge on Ross Stewart look like? A penalty? I don't think it was a penalty. You didn't After, think it was live a penalty. live I did. 
Um, and then From my the angle, re- it looked like a penalty. I was on, on the, the replay. The goal. On the replay, I didn't think it was a penalty. I think if he got a touch on a ball, it would have been a penalty. I think. Well, he didn't. Yeah, it does. It did in this instance because he kind of he he kind of collapsed. It's kind of a coming together rather than a block. But I think if he touches the ball, he could argue well. I've, but he no, neither of them got the ball, and he wasn't. The goalkeeper didn't really come into the path of Stewart. It was kind of just like. See, to, to me, it looked like he did because I was behind that goal on the corner. Oh, um, well, and, yeah, and, you, and, you, and you, could, you could see the keeper run out, and then he couldn't put the brakes <clears> on, and you thought he's going to take him out here, and I thought he did. Phil, what did it, you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm right up the top of the Premier Concourse. To me, it live in the flesh, it looked like an absolute. Stonewaller. I thought the keeper. I thought it'd come two, three seconds too late. Yeah, and it taken him out. But I've not. I've not seen a replay. Okay. Um, if you watch it, but I mean, watch it. But after, if you can be bothered, I'm interested because if I was in the ground, I would have been screaming for it. But and it looked live. I was like penalty. As soon as he, as soon as he went into that area. But then when you do watch it back, it was probably the right call. Just if you'd given it, you'd been like, well. Maybe Fair we'll enough. put a poll out. I do soft. think I do think if we'd got if we'd scored a third, I think I think they would have collapsed. I think they would have and, and, and all and all those worries and concerns where you say, you know, nerves end, you go in the second half, ran themselves into the ground, because it would have been justified to make a change even at half time then. If you've got a three goal lead, right, I'm gonna do something to change it. Um I think, you know, it might not be realistic. I think he was gonna make changes at half time. Up, but we were talking about it in the ground saying he need he needs to do something quickly here because um you know they they're, they're knackered and they can't sustain this and now you've got to try a different approach. I just think I just don't think you 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 could have continued trying to do more of the same. And I think Phil with Lincoln making those two changes at half time, you could tell five minutes into the second half that the momentum had shifted. Was he slow to react? Because he he should have reacted then, at least in my opinion. In terms think, of in terms of changing it, yeah, I think it was clear the goal was coming probably five minutes before it did. I think so. I think that's a fair comment. As one of my big frustrations, to be honest with this team, especially over the last like six weeks or so, is that it feels like as soon as the opposition has even a fairly small spell of concerted pressure, they score. You know, we just suddenly yeah. just don't seem to ride out spells of pressure at all. Um, I think like. Yeah, I think it was. I think everyone could see in the ground, couldn't they, for at least five minutes beforehand that the goal was coming if there wasn't a change in coming. You have to give credit, credit to Lincoln as well because I thought their decision-making all the way through the second half was really good, to be honest. I think that there's maybe a bit of a lesson for Sunderland, you know, the way they've used the loan system, the calibre of player they've brought in, you know, Morgan Rogers, the way going forward and going back, it's always seemed to be making the right decision up against Gooch. Um I, th- I was really impressed with the way they played in the second half, to be honest. And then by the end, as you say, you know, you could tell the goal was coming. And after that, it was kind of what we've seen for too long, really. I just felt it was all a bit Hail Mary, like slinging it forward, yeah, slinging it the ball in the box. I know McGeady hits the post, and if that goes in, it can be a different game. But like Sunderland have only come from behind once this year to win a game, as in 2021. And I just think it's the, kind of the same thing when they go behind. Um, just seems to panic. And, um, and, and and although this wasn't going behind in ninety minutes, it's going behind in the yeah, time. It's the so same. it's the same. Yeah, it's it's, it's the, the same, same game state, isn't it? Yeah. You need you know they need two yeah. goals or a goal, um, and you know very similar to like the Wigan game, for example, Wigan away where it just they just seem to lose that composure. So yeah, the second half was really really disappointing. I I do think like credit to Lincoln. I think all the 
180 minutes. I thought they, they deserved to go through. I think it's it's funny though that is it because in in the when you talk about the games themselves, you could probably just argue that, but in the actual sort of chances and in the games and the opportunities, I would say we probably just edged it. I think, like in terms of you know, especially at their place, <coughs> I think I think they were quite lucky to come away two 0 um, you know, I think what if if we if we come away one nil, um, I think that would have been fair. But it's an interesting one, that isn't it? Because would we have approached the game in the same manner with a one goal deficit? It was almost like having that two goal deficit gave us license to go and play the way we did in that first half. And I think you know, would I think if we would have been one nil down, we wouldn't have approached the game in the same way. Um, and, and as a result, I think we would have been worse for it. And it just got me thinking <clears throat> we need to build a team that can approach the game in the manner they did in that first half, like the 2 0 down from the first leg of a playoff semi final in every game. Well, uh, we're turning the crowd, we're turning the crowd on your exactly. side, wouldn't it? That's yeah. what I mean. And you saw how powerful that was. And, you know, we've, we've been dossing about in this league for three years now in like respecting the opposition and we've been, you know, trying to manage games and all this kind of thing and nothing we've done's worked. You know, we need to build a team that can play that way um, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the owners have acknowledged that's the kind of football they want to play, Phil, haven't they? So, um, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to get on to that. We're going to, I, I wanna, don't want to talk about sort of where we go from here and in relation to... You know the manager, the kind of players we need to bring in, the players who are out of contract and stuff like that. I think um, you know, just reflecting on 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 this whole pool run and this whole season, Phil. Do you think um, how does how does it seem like the mood is in the camp? Because Lee Johnson was trying his best to tell us that this was a reset, and we all wanted to believe it was a reset. Um, nothing from the first leg suggested that was the case, and barring forty five minutes in the in the in the um, Second half, nothing suggested. Um, in the second leg, nothing suggested that was the case. So it's it, it implies it's something more than that, doesn't it? And and that, you know the the break didn't do them any good at all, really. Yeah, I thought that you know it was interesting what Gareth said about the first leg at Lincoln. I think over the course of ninety minutes, yeah, for sure, sort of the balance of chances two 0 at Lincoln flattered them. But I also felt that first half hour, Sunderland could have lost the tie. They were so unbelievably poor and so unbelievably lethargic, and that was hard to fathom. I mean. I do think like the defensive injuries, you know, you don't want to make excuses, but if someone had said to us at the start of the season that for the defining moment of the season, you would have a back four of um, Power, Wright, or nine and Lyndon Gooch, um, you know, I, you would have wondered what had happened. And I do think that's been a big factor. But I just think the squads just looked so muddled. And you can see that in the kind of strange way that, for example, Jordan Jones plays the first leg and then doesn't appear at all in the second leg. Aidan O'Brien, who six weeks ago looked to be such an important player, all of a sudden barely gets a kick in the playoffs. And I just think that the squad is doesn't seem to have that kind of defined way of playing or philosophy or whatever you want to call it. And I just think that gets shown up in times of stress within games. And I think you've seen that in in, in both of these. Legs. Who's that? Who's that down? Because we we you know we're told we're told and you know. Most people, I think, would relatively happy with the appointment of Lee Johnson, but we are told that this is very much a man who has a very clear, identifiable philosophy and way of playing, 
we, we, we were told that and Bristol City we use as an example for that. So is it just something that runs deeper than him still at the minute and it's going to take it's going to take longer to sort out or, or do you think the manager is under, is under pressure? Well, I, yeah, it's a difficult question. I mean, I think that fundamentally, I think a lot of problems stem from the fact that I don't think the recruitment last summer was particularly good. I don't think the recruitment in January has turned out to be particularly good in hindsight. Um, it is a difficult one, isn't it? Because I definitely thought we would see a clearer kind of shift in style from Lee Johnson. And I think that hasn't really happened. And I think in fairness, he would probably say in response that, you know, he's had to adapt. He's had to be pragmatic because of the injuries and that's forced him to kind of go away from how he wanted to play. Um, I don't know, for me personally, I don't know about under pressure. I don't get the impression that internally he's under any pressure, but I certainly think that, you know, Gareth alluded to it there. I think at the start of next season, it's not about getting, for me, like 30 points from the first 10 games or anything like that, but you want to see that there is a real discernible shift um, and that they play like they did in that opening half an hour in the intensity and the tempo um, that they can do that you know, time and time again. Because I have some sympathy in terms of why we haven't seen that so far because of the defensive injuries, yeah. because of behind closed doors football. I can understand why it's not quite happened. Um, but I think it's fair to say that standard of football over the last eight weeks has not been particularly any different to what we saw under Phil Partins, and I think there are reasons for that but I certainly expect that at the start of next season you would hope to see that change significantly mm. I, I, I'm just the, the substitution thing is what concerned me because it's one of those where you know he, he's been generally quite good with subs I think in a, in a lot of games you know we, we had Phil Parkinson who was at one extreme didn't we and we, he wasn't changing anything until like the last 10 minutes. And then at, at times, Lee Johnson kind of goes in too much and he's making, he's making four changes and you think that's a little bit early. Um, but it just, it just worried me. His, his lack of reaction on, on uh, just after half time. I think, you know, when we, we as fans were all standing, having a conversation after 35 minutes saying these players are knackered. They are knackered now. And we, we are the team that, Looks like we need half time in a way, even though Lincoln were under pressure. If that makes sense. Now I, I know you can't just judge. I'm sound like I'm judging these, judging this up one game because I've acknowledged he has been good with subs recently. But I think, you know, I, I think that is something fans start to notice now, and it'll be interesting to see um, how they are with them when we when we start the season because we we've had this many times over the years. Haven't we? A manager come in halfway through the season, and then the argument is they should be given a a pre-season and a summer to put their own stamp on it. And then it doesn't go to plan the first few games and they're under pressure again. And it's a, it's a cycle we need a break out of, to be fair, isn't it? I wonder if, you know, having that five subs, yeah, it's a blessing in many respects, but in terms of the way you're planning, <clears throat> planning, you get, planning the game and when you're going to introduce those substitutes, and I wonder if it's a little bit more, you know, of a hindrance and going back to the three next season. Um... I wonder if you know it, it, that'll help in a way. Um, but, but like what Phil was saying about you know it's all a bit of a, a hail mary. You're going to get to that point. Maybe not having that, those options for making you know swathes of subs like where we've seen like four subs come on and stuff like that, uh, like earlier in the season to change things. I think it's like I know we'll get on to talk about next year in a bit, but. You know, you look at someone like Ross Stewart there, like, I know he, there's there's mixed opinions on him, but like, I think I definitely think he's got, there's something there to work with in terms of, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, yeah, got, yeah. he's got attributes that all of the other players 
all the other good players who who play for other teams have got that our good players don't have, and that's athleticism and speed and like could hold a ball up as well. He's got that, and like with nobody else, nobody else really does. Like even like Diamond's fast, but he's not athletic, is he? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think Diamond's frustrated. He's young, and you, we need to like show a level of patience. But yeah. he, he's picked the wrong game to arguably have his worst ever game for Sunderland, didn't he? Against Lincoln, but you know yeah. that that is going to happen. That's it's, it's <coughs> unfortunate. It's going to happen. Was an argument he should put Jones on instead, Phil. He's not been in great form for Sunderland. Well, he, he, we we were warned. We were warned about Jones by fans of other clubs saying he'll start great. Then he'll lose interest for you because it's a loan, and, and and that that seems to be what's happened to me. Yeah, that's it's, it's exactly my point. Like, yeah, in hindsight, Diamonds didn't affect the game when he came on, and therefore it's easy to say you should have brought Jones on. But Jones, I know he drew an unbelievable save from Bursic the other night. Fair enough, but you know he was not great in that game. He he did not put his hand up to say I've got to start on Saturday, at least in my opinion. And I don't think he's done that since the Portsmouth game. And I know he got an injury in that game, and that might have affected his momentum, but. There's too many players like that, you know, who I do think the squad's been a little bit too big over the last few weeks. I don't think that's helped because I think it has led to this like almost muddled selection like I referred to before. And just like going back to a little bit about what Gareth said, I think that those attributes, it's massive. It's massive in the forward areas and it's massive in midfield. You know, we talked a little bit about um, sort of the, the style and kind of the philosophy that we haven't seen how disappointing that's been. I think like, in certain areas of the pitch, it's because we need different attributes in centre midfield. We need, in my opinion, more dynamism, more athleticism, players who are always trying to move the ball forward, get the ball on the half turn. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think it's a really good point about Stuart, who I think brings something different up front. And I think we need that in the middle of the pitch as well. And I do think that's been a big part of it. I mean, Wednesday night, especially, you know, it just felt like there was a, almost like a lack of personality in there. Um, if you know what I mean by that. So, just, yeah, I think, I think it's very, it's very stodgy, isn't it? It's very, like, it's kind of just plodders under like a bit. I know that that sounds harsh in like some respects. <coughs> I don't mean that in, like, in their ability at this level, because I think you know some of the players do have technical ability for this level. That's Good enough, more than good enough, and, and better than and many, um, you know, other teams. But in terms of the actual, um, you know, the the physical attributes that they just don't possess them, and like that's why it gets it gets very sort of stodgy in that, you know, around it, like in, in most areas, but especially in midfield, like you say, Phil, it's like. They're all just the same, like the same kind of player. Like and it's not, it's it's. And we can't, you can't just have someone who wants to receive the ball in the D, like sorry, in the halfway line, and sort of get his head up and have a look, and you know, try and play diag or something like that. It's like that seems to be like what they do. Yeah, and it, like 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 you say, it's not about like digging out individuals or whatever, because like you say, a lot of these players have attributes that are worthwhile but the chemistry to me just doesn't seem to be there um I've never really seen a midfield partnership that I think like oh, I really like the balance there um and I think that we've massively seen that over the last few weeks I think 
you know, finally, just to, to talk about just being, you know, back on the ground and 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 how good that was is the final thing to take away, isn't it? That we're gonna um, all hopefully enjoy going back to the match next season. And I think the cl- the club are lucky in a way. It's daft as that seems because they've lost like loads of money and revenue and stuff. But that might buy them a little bit of time, might not? That the fans are going to go back in and it's going to be a new experience again for all of them because it was it did almost have a feel of a cup final. How many games does that last? How many games does that um, go on for? Just depends on the results, doesn't it? Um, what I would say though is, is, is you know, if you're a grown man, you decide that you are instead of just going to the pub or going home. Uh, that you're going to steer around and hang around outside the ground for an hour just so you can go and hurl abuse at the manager, then you need to reevaluate your life because that is absolutely pathetic behaviour and um, just feeds into the into the crap that some people involved at the top end of the club have suggested, which is utter nonsense. But hopefully they know that and they'll see through that. Right, when we come back, we're going to have a little bit more of a chat about where we go from here have a look at the um the list of players out of contract and stuff the wise men say podcast is brought to you in association with from the terrace cargo shorts for a 10 percent discount enter the code wms10 at the checkout stage bucket heads while you do that check out the from the terraces podcast presented by rory fallow and matthew keeling T-shirts. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to the Wiseman Say podcast. We have a discussion now, I think, about where we go from here. Stop me if you think you've heard this one before, <laughs> um, but we are going to be looking to rebuild the game. We were going to have to rebuild Phil Wormy, whatever the division we win. I think they made that clear, mm-hmm. but I guess it just it impacts the level of player you're going to track, the level of player that you can go for, doesn't it? Um, and it's just a shame that we're going to be doing it in the third division again. Right. Crap, in it. Like you, <laughs> every is, now, every we now, can't, we can't play it down, can we? Like no, you can it, you can it. And like the thing is, like I believe the club's in much better position than it was twelve months ago. And there's a lot of changes that I think are really encouraging and stuff. But I think it's all also all right just to be like, fucking hell, this is crap. I can't believe we have to do this again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you can't downplay the fact Sunderland have been nah. at this level once in their entire history before this recent spell and they absolutely pissed the league that time when they were down and you know 
Charlie and others can come out as much as they want and say, you know, you need to change expectations. That is, just, that's just not like no, we can we cannot do that. As far as I'm concerned, I, I you was, know, the, the day we stop being arrogant, it's not even arrogant, realistic. Just look at the clubs we're playing and like it needs to be, this whole attitude needs to be, we are better than this and we need to be better than this. Yeah, I, I massively respect all the teams who've taken points off Sunderland in the last few years. I just sick of seeing it. <laughs> I know. But yeah, look, it's like, I think it's, it's an interesting one with the squad, isn't it? Because I think that the way the season's ended, I think it's probably really sort of crystallised the fact that it's probably time for like a proper refresh, mm. doesn't it? I think it's given, I think it's kind of really focused the mind on, you know what, over a three-year period, what is it, um, fifth, eighth and fourth, I think. I know last season was, you know, yeah. the game and all that, but that tells its own story, doesn't it? Um, and you can't expect a similar group of players to suddenly do something different in my opinion I think you know we talked about that chemistry and that blend on the pitch and what have you and the attributes that they're lacking I just think they've reached a point where you said you know what they haven't done this three times I don't think they're going to do it at the fourth time so we have to we have to try something different we have to go in a different direction and other clubs are looking at that as well so you know Portsmouth and Ipswich have relatively new managers who are experienced and good in the in the lower leagues and they're going to be reassessing how they do things. We've got Rotherham coming down who got promoted last time and coming down straight away. So you would imagine that well, they're going to keep... They've, they've been promoted the last three times they've been in the division. Well, uh, you know, there you go. Then they come down. So they've got pedigree at this division. You've got Sheffield Wednesday as well, um, who a bit of a basket case club. So there's no guarantee that they're going to go. But at the same time, like the things we are saying about Sunderland, where a club that size should attract good players and stuff like that, that is, that is relevant for them as well. And sometimes it can work. Paul also won the league as well. And they were basket case coming down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's going to be the toughest, it's going to be the toughest season. Since we come down. Since we've come down next year, without doubt, in terms of the, you know, the, the the, the teams that are down there. Like it's it's we can't you know we can't afford to get what do we get seventy nine points was this seventy eight seventy nine can't remember I mean it's it's amazing how it's like you know I don't know what we would have got on points per game finishing eighth last year but you know to finish fourth on seventy nine and finish fifth on eighty five in the first season um you know I think it tells you. It tells you what the league was like last year, um, and I think Phil's right in what he said. I, I don't about the, the group that we've got at the moment, and I don't think it's it's you know the 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 quality last year probably meant that our results were better with the group we've got. Whereas that team in that first season probably wouldn't have gone well, wouldn't have gone into the playoffs, no chance. So, um, yeah, it, it's. I'm I'm sort of like it's weird because and like I'm sure people probably think like what's he talking about or you know I kind of wasn't kind of that didn't really feel that bothered like I don't like about the weekend like I don't know if it's because I wasn't there or it's, it's just been a weird season it's felt like a fake <clears throat> a fake season like a 
that's why we're saying you know, there's that, an element no, of that. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think that, that 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 will lend them a little bit more patience than they normally got. Mm. Like I think as many fans as possible will turn up. Well, I think it had we gone and witnessed that full season. So our crowds have been good since we've dropped, you know, thirty thousand, twenty nine thousand around that mark, which for Division Three is unbelievable. It really is. Um, and I think this could have been the first season where we saw a significant drop in that. Um, and I think that this is probably. I mean, I don't know how many fans are going to be allowed back in initially, but this has probably bought them some patience on that. I mean, sh- sh- on, on that, I'm sure, you know, it looks as though we'll, you know, we'll all be able to get back in, doesn't it? So you'd have thought. But... Mm. Right. Let's have a look at this list, Phil. Have you got the, the list of players who are uh, out of contract in the summer? And we'll um, we'll just give our opinion on 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 whether we think they should be offered something or not. It's really easy, isn't it, on one hand, before we just, like, start this, to say, get rid of them all. Um, but, you know, you need some... You need some sort of consistency and some sort of, um, you know, familiarity, don't you? You don't want to be just buying an entirely new squad. So it'll be interesting to see what people think when we look at yeah. this list. And there are a lot of them, aren't there? Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing to say as well is that and I think people probably already know this, but just to stress that, you know, these are people who were going off the length of what their contract was announced at the time for a lot of these players. You know, the policy was to include the option of an extra year. So I'm sure people remember last year, Chris Maguire and Luke O'Nine, there was a lot of uncertainty and then all of a sudden, bang, they were on the retained list. That's because the club had that option. So when the retained list comes out, there might be one or two who we thought were potentially out of contract who might still be under contract. Cause and do, do, you, do you know who those are or not? I don't know. Um, I'm fairly sure Lee Burge is one of them. Um, I'd be stunned if Denver Hume wasn't one of them because if they didn't put an option in, then that would be very, very bad planning. But I suppose that's not beyond the realms of possibility. <laughs> um, so all three goalkeepers are out of contract, Burge, Matthews and Patterson. Um, like I say, I'm pretty sure Burge has an option. They'll want to keep Patterson because they rate him really highly. Yeah. Um, Bird should be kept as a backup keeper. You don't want to bring in two new keepers in because we, we need thought... to, we need to improve our team. Actually, I mean Lee Burge was put in the in the in the team of the year, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, he, you know he he saved a penalty again. He saved a couple this season, but you know, frankly, if we're going off what we've seen before, you know, he's far inferior to John McLaughlin that we had previously, and that needs to be the standard, doesn't it? Yeah, you, you need a an excellent goalkeeper at the level. Um, I would I would be. I think Burge is more than capable of being part of that goalkeeping group, if you like, but you definitely need a new option, in my opinion. Um, Defence, we've got Conor McLaughlin, Colin McFadzine, Denver Hume. And I suppose you could maybe put Luke O'Nine, defender midfielder, whenever you like. Luke O'Nine would be one of the most players on Championship Manager, where it's like midfielder, uh, defender midfielder, forward, right, left, centre. There's loads of greens all over the pit. <laughs> And and is that it? Do you want to go through the rest and then we'll go back and look at them yeah, all? Yeah, yeah. Uh, midfielders, Max Power, Josh Scowen, Chris Maguire, Aidan McGeady, and then Charlie White as well. Right, so defenders. So firstly, on the on the keeper, Gareth, you, you, you've made your clear, your feelings clear on Lee Burge, would you? Would you? And this is the thing, again, where it's easy to say, right, release them all, but, you know, well, so it's easy for Sunderland to find a... Or maybe not with their track record, but in, in theory, it's easy for the Sunderland to find one keeper who's better than Lee Burge than to have to find two keepers who are up to a certain standard, right? Do you think or not? Well, why not just get one good goalkeeper, keep Patterson, 
get rid of the other two. And then if you may and keeper gets injured, just get an emergency loan. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good show. Get the but same not, guy who keeps doing it again. So. Oh, but I'm not like, <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. I'm not like kind of, it's not a flipping comment about whether, well, he's played for Peterborough. He's played for Lincoln. You know, we, we've we faced an emergency loan goalkeeper about seven times this season. It's like, well, what's the point then? Why, yeah. why are we wasting resources? Yeah, I agree. On on bringing on strengthening that position, so we've got backup. So we we think, oh, we need to get another keeper in. So we bring Remy Matthews in, who's like the worst goalkeeper that's ever played for us, and that's again some stiff competition. You know what I mean? It's like, why are we doing that? Use your brain, like just go no. Tell you I know, what we'll do. I we'll, know. We'll get, it's we'll hard. Go out, it was we'll hard. It was solely about that. Like it really was. But it's it, it, it beyond that. It's like well. Let's look at what let's look at what how to how to operate here. And if we're going to talk about reduced budgets and things like that, <clears throat> if you think you've got can find a better goalkeeper than Lee Burge, then go and get him, get rid of Lee Burge. But obviously you're saying if he might have a, a contract trigger in there, so that might not be possible. But the point stands, if 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 you were going to approach it that way, then why not just say, well. Put Patson on the bench. He hasn't played a league game anywhere. So, yeah. It's a good Birch shout. Gets injured. We're I getting, don't think we'll they will do that. But it'll be, it'll be, it's a good shout. It's is. kind of like the loophole, isn't it, to do that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah that'll be interesting to see what, the, what, what, what they do with that because like, it, it kind of starts from the back, doesn't it? And, and I think Lee Burge ended up having a better season than most of us were expecting in a way. And, but there was still... There were still howlers there, weren't there? That really cost us a lot of points. And I know we, we've said a lot of times this is the le- this is the standard of the division, but actually I'm not sure it is really. Like I think the the Lincoln keeper who played against us the other day, I don't think he's renowned for his howlers, is he? Um, it doesn't seem to happen much. What, what what's happened with that? People. The lad from Portsmouth. Yeah, he's not got anywhere yet. He's not got anywhere yet because yeah. they released him. He, he's always looked decent when he's played against us. McGillivray, is it? McGillivray? McGillivray. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's an experienced keeper at this level who, you know, has always looked all right. Mm, I just uh, think we need to be looking, we need to be looking above dummy keepers who have been above us previously, like John McLaughlin. Well, like that Chris Maxwell, by the way, who got keeper of the season for Blackpool, saw him play in the championship and he was absolutely crap. So... There you go. I mean, when he would play for Preston, he was appalling. Um, and they, I'd, I'd just go to show, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Who were the defenders again, Phil? We'll have a look at those now. McLaughlin, McFadden, Q, slash <clears throat> 09. Okay. <laughs> Callum McFadden, I think if he comes out and he's on the retail list, everybody, there is a massive problem behind the scenes that we don't know about, right? <clears throat> yeah, he's not staying, is he? Well, you wouldn't, you would, you would not think so, would you? Um, this is a player like I'm, you know, I don't want to say you don't want to sound like a dick and stuff, dear, but this is just arguably when you put in the context of the division we're in, arguably the most limited player we've ever had play for us. I think McLeod Zane. Yeah, but I mean, you have to say it to be fair to him. He he works hard and he he tried. Is he, like yeah, like I know it's like somebody. Well, it's not good enough, and I'm, I'm not accepting it. But he was signed by us. And he's being asked to play, 
And I would say you could probably argue that majority of the time he was probably playing above himself because his better performances were so much better than his baseline rubbish performances, if that makes sense. So yeah, I, would I, say, I think it's an I think it's an ability issue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, he's, he's, but he's, he did. He, he, he worked. He worked hard. Put his body on the line all the time. He just lacked lacked ability. Yeah, he's not going to get kept on, Phil. Is no, he? Well, absolutely not. No. Yeah. You need a you need a new left back. You need I mean to be honest, you need you need new proper full backs. You like, can't rely on him anyway, can you? Because of fitness. No, um, no, just to echo what Fadzine said, he uh, said you said about McFadzine. I think he's you know, you remember that he was signed because they failed to get someone in before the salary cap, basically. Um and he came in after the window. The intention wasn't really for him to play much. He's had to play a lot. I don't think he's good enough for the level, I don't think he's good enough for a promotion team. Um but, you know, you can't you can't say that he sort of didn't put it in, um, but you, you need better options at fullback. And to be honest, I'd apply that to right back as well. I think you need a, a proper right back. Um, yeah. I think you need at least two either side. I wouldn't I, because he's got to rebuild a defence, and, and and that is one thing, Johnson. You know, he he can be validated in that. You know, that he, having to put a patched up defence like that together. Is going to impact any any team's promotion bid. Like I think that is fair to say, and you know if you think otherwise, your head's in the cloud. But McLaughlin again is in one on. So on the face of it, you look and you say no, he's not going to get retained. Again, quite limited. He's he's been a lot. This has been his best season for Sunderland. I think he's he's you know he's played a lot better this season than he has previously. Would there be an argument because we've got so much to do in terms of defensive reinforcements? Because he can cover a couple of positions, that he might have a chance of just being a squad player, perhaps, and getting returned. I'm not sure. It's an interesting one. I, I mean, I of all the ones out of contract, he's not one of the ones where, if they gave him another year, where I think what on earth they're doing, I could see the logic. But at the same time, you're right. They need a lot of players, but they have got Flanagan, Willis, Wright, and Zamagli under contract. Now I know Willis isn't going to play next season, and his injury questions over Zamagli, but that is already four, you know, four earners on the books. So. Yeah, it, it is an interesting one. McLaugh- McLaughlin's one of the ones on the list who, if they retained him, I personally wouldn't have a major issue with because of, like you say, that versatility. Yeah, um, you'd want him but, nothing more than a squad player, though. No, but but you you would still need another right back if that yeah. makes sense. So I wouldn't be like, why on earth have they done that at all? I think when he's been fit this season, he's been steady. Um, no problems with him at all. But I would like to sign a proper dynamic attack and right back. I think that's really important. And I thought we I think we saw that on Saturday. You know, Gooch isn't a natural in that position, but if they want to play that way, it's really important that they have someone who can bring bring that little bit of extra kind of dynamism, if you like, from, from yeah, deep. They do. And Hume would be surprised if he wasn't retained. Yeah, I think I think next year's a big season for him because I think he's got to play a long run of games. Um but you know you've you've got to keep a player like that and, and, and give him an opportunity, especially one that you've you've developed. I'd be amazed if Hume went. Okay, nothing to add to that, Gareth. Before we move on to midfielders, yeah, I mean for Hume, if you if you obviously aside from all nine, it would keep. I'd keep Hume and the rest of them. I wouldn't be bothered about in that. Very cool. That's nice and nice and straightforward for Gareth. Uh, Luke I'm nine. I'm a bit disappointed. I thought Billy Wright was out of contract, so no, I would have exactly. paddled him as well. To be fair, yeah, him and Flanagan yeah. both signed two year deals last yeah. year. Both had cool seasons. I don't, mind, I don't mind Flanagan so much, but he's okay. I'm just not keen on like Billy Wright's all right, but he's I don't know, it's just feels as though within there's just a bit of like 
this idea that he's actually better than he actually has been. I don't know, just to what we've seen. But... Luke O'Nine seems like another no-brainer, um, if nothing else for his versatility. But um, again, I think it sort of shows the standard we've slipped to where suddenly like he's deemed as really important because he's kind of been our standout player almost wherever he's played. Now, he's decent and he would, you would definitely keep him. But again, should he be your best seen as your best player? We we should be aiming higher than that, shouldn't we? I don't know. I, I honestly rate O9. I, I honestly no, I do as well. I do um, as well. I think he is a really good player for the level. Um so yeah, I'm probably see that one slightly differently. I mean what I, w- I would like them to kind of say We've signed Luke 09 up to a new deal and he's a centre midfielder. Yeah, well, I was going to say, it might make a difference if a player in his blue proper position because yeah, um, he must be so frustrated as well. Like I know the it, players say they don't mind as long as they're playing and, and he's playing well and he's getting man the matches in defence and stuff like that. But you know, we were just missing that drive from midfield and that ability to just get beyond and into the box and he can do that, can't he? It's so frustrating. We're like a yeah. broken record on this. Yeah, I know. But yeah, so my view on it is rebuild the defence and tie your nine down and say, right, let's see what you can do. Midfield. Could we lose them, perhaps? Just... I, th- I think there'll be teams interested. I really, really do. It depends on his, posi- on his, on his and that, position, and that... whether we can extend it or not. Yeah, and that could be a decision for him as well. Because a team, you know, a championship team, you know, as as we all know, after his first season down here, he's wanting to sign him, but as a right back, and you know, so it might be what he wants to do with his career, and what Lee Johnson tells him about what position he's going to play in him as well. Um, there will definitely be interest in all nine from the championship, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think I think he'll want to stay at Sunderland if the circumstances are right, but it will be interesting in terms of where those other teams see him and, and where he sees himself as well going forward. Bet on the day he signed for Sunderland, he never thought that Wigan would play in the Championship before he did. Yeah, well, it's amazing that. Really, I was, it? it was quite funny when I thought when it looked like there was a chance Wigan were going to end up staying up because of the Derby situation. You thought they're going to get, they're going to get promoted here when they didn't even finish inside the playoffs, and now they're going to get, now they're going to avoid a relegation, even though they finished in the relegation spots, which would have been quite something, wouldn't it, in terms of being on the on the lucky skill. Um, Midfielders, um, Phil, remind us. Power, Scowen, Maguire, McGeady. Okay. Um, I think there's not a cat in hell's chance Chris Maguire is going to get kept on by Lee Johnson. No uh, I think he's made that clear, hasn't he? Despite, it's 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 bizarre that he almost calls on Maguire for the big game. So he started at Wembley. He started at this one where it was like last roll of the dice. It's almost like, right, I'm going to put him in now because he can do something for us. And it just makes you wonder, like, he could have done something for you in previous games, but you know, I think he's not getting kept on, is he? I don't think so. I just personally like people might disagree, but I just think it's time for M Button to take that position in the squad. Um, okay, that's my opinion. It'd be interesting to see how Wimbledon plays in the final. Wimbledon <laughs> um, well, like, has had about one good half of football for some London in the time he's played, so I know people howled about the fact that he was sent out on loan, but it's just a but fact. Gareth had- how many consecutive starts has he had in the Sunderland shirt? Well, he has had a lot of injuries, hasn't he? He has. Injuries have been a big part of it and he's had badly timed injuries. But for me, it's like sometimes it feels as if like he comes on in 20 minutes and doesn't like do something unbelievable and it's like, oh, well, he's had a chance. I just yeah, don't... I I'm, just not, I'm not saying... I just think like when you compare, like I think earlier in the season when we discussed it and you compare the impact that 
in the small opportunities, say Diamond's had in games, he's had a great uh, positive impact in the game than Embleton has had in the same amount of time. And as a result, Diamond got opportunities and Embleton didn't. And if you flip that, it would be the other way around. It would have been Diamond who was probably off out on loan at Christmas and then, you know, Embleton staying and playing his part. So, <clears throat> like, you're right in some respects how many, you know, but why... why why do you just command a, or deserve a run in a team just because? Or are you just going, right, well, we're putting all our eggs in one basket here. We believe that this person, this footballer, given 25 games on the bounce, is going to be, like, great. But then it's a big that's a big risk to take because if he, if he doesn't deliver in that time, which is why he's been sent out on loan to, make, to see if he does do that. Has he done it? I don't know. I mean... Yeah, they've, they've um, obviously had a really good end of the season. He scored the other night. But in terms of his contributions, like in assists and, and goals, since he's gone there, I'm not sure what, what they tally to. Um, I think that's always going to be rated if you're an attacking midfielder. He's, he is an attacking midfielder. So, you know, we can talk about people have their opinions on Maguire as an example, but you, you can you can give your numbers and say, well, I've delivered. I've given. I've, I was top scorer last season. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'll, I'll I'll get you ten goals. I'll get you, you know, eight plus assists a season. Um, so that's what Evan. But like you say, Evan Milton's going to take that place in the squad. I agree. You know, I, I agree with you. Like that, we should release Maguire and Embleton has to come in, um, and and prove himself. Well, you know, hopefully this was just what he needed. Because uh, like you say, that Philly never really got a successive run of games, did he, for Sunderland? And um, he's done it, let's be honest, at a level and for a team that at the minute are better than Sunderland, which is the kind of weird thing about it. And as well, like, just to stress, it's not a knock on Maguire. I think Maguire's been a good oh, yeah. No, um, I, don't, I, 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 I wasn't seeing that. Just... I, and I'm certainly not saying as well, by the way, that if Embleton doesn't produce like at all, that you should just, like, Blind, you keep faith with them, but I just think we've got a guy here who clearly has a lot of ability, who's been told to go and fight his way into Blackpool's team and prove himself. And he's done that. He didn't get in the team at first, but if you look every time he's been available to start a game over the last 12, 15 games, he's done so. And Blackpool have been a very good side in that team. So for me, I just think let's give him a chance to see what he can do because that's what supposedly this whole new thing is about. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, and I think if 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 fans had looked at if fans had looked at Blackpool going up this year, um, you know, and, and Embleton was just one of their players, and then suddenly we signed him in the summer, you you you'd be kind of saying, oh well, that looks all right. So scenes, by the way, when Blackpool like buy him for like four million when they get promoted, and this is all <laughs> absolutely moot anyway. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, it's just one of those uh, like, listen, it's I'm not saying that he'll tear it up. I don't know that. I just think it's time. Time to have a proper look at him. That's just, yeah. just my opinion. Yeah. Um, Josh Scowen is not one that I would keep, Gareth. I don't yeah. even need to ask you what you think about that. Um, Phil. Actually, I thought he actually had a really good first half at the weekend. Yeah, he's good. One of his yeah. better games on Saturday. Yeah, probably, his they, probably, is, probably his best game in the first half. Yeah. Terrible in the second half, I thought. I think that I suspect Johnson will want to keep him, to be honest, because he seems to like him. Um, the issue, the thing about Scowen is he came as a championship player and as a consequence of that he was you know I, I, I don't know 
for sure that he's one of the biggest earners, but I know that he was a significant investment at that time in terms of his wages because he'd come from a championship club. And well, that might, that might impact the decision, though, as well. That's, what, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. It, it, we're talking about potentially, what I mean is they've brought someone in thinking that he was going to be you know, a potential top League One midfielder potentially going up with you to the championship. Do you know what I mean? That's And that's what I'm saying. And these are the kind of things you've got to factor in. So it's not just what level of player you think they're at or what level they're at at the moment. It's about, you know, it is also relative to the budget and where they fit in. So I think it pays a really high earner for this division. I think they might let him go, personally. I think I think Johnson will want to keep him. That's personally, I think, um, because he does like him. But I don't. Th- I think it might be... Um, yeah, like you say, I, I don't think that pretend, might not be that straightforward. Okay, so does that leave us with the two biggest talking points then? Uh, McGeady and White are the other two. Power as well. Max Power. Okay, right, Max Power then. That's a. Isn't I like Max. Still in contract, is he? Oh, Ledbetter. No, is Ledbetter going to retire? Yeah. Um, all I'll say is I hope Ledbetter is still at the club in some capacity at the start of next season. So, like, what a, like, you know, he's come back in that January and the sent the sentimental sort of story goes that, you know, they get promoted and and then he's been here for three years. He's spent, so two and a half years, he spent the vast majority of the time uh, not playing for personal reasons. And then it was, you know, he's, when he's playing, he's not, his best football since he got here, he's not playing in front of anybody. You know, and he's lost a playoff final. He's lost a playoff semi final. It's what, what it just sort of showing it. Football is just a harsh, harsh game. It? Like, you know, it just doesn't. It's not. The, it's not the fairy tale story. At least he won the the, the EFL trophy. I mean, that's something. That, you know, we we need someone of that ilk there. next season because he's the only player really in the yeah. big game. So you feel like can can control the game. Um, it's just another. He's just another year older now, isn't he? I guess. Um, I mean, Sunderland have been a better team with him in it more often than not this season. So if they don't keep him on, they need to find someone who can yeah, bring that composure because they've massively missed it when he's not played. Um, yeah, I agree. Has he been nursing that shoulder injury for the back end of the season? He's going to have to have surgery this summer, on that, wasn't he? Wasn't that what they were saying at the time? It was what they were saying at the time, yeah. I'm not sure whether that's still still the case. Um Mm. Um, Max Power is an inter- another interesting one. He's being he, he splits opinion, Max, doesn't he? Um, we've always had his back. I think on on this podcast, I always quite liked him. I know that you know his decision to shoot from about a million yards out oh. on Saturday was one of the most infuriating things that's ever happened, and Sunderland fans will remember that and talk about that for a long time. Um, I think you know he started off great, and I think he slowly deteriorated in terms of how he can impact the team and what he can bring bring to the team. Um I'm not sure personally I wouldn't be I wouldn't be fussed on keeping him. Phil, how do you think that's gonna go? Yeah, I don't know. And for me that's probably in some ways the most interesting one out of all of them. Um because I think he has been a decent performer over a period of time. Um and I think he's got you know, like we talked about before, I think he's got good attributes. Um, and, you know, personally, I, I, I like behind the scenes, I think he's a big influence and I think a positive influence. But again, it's that kind of what we go back to, that like three years, isn't it? Um, and you just wonder if the time's kind of come to, to have a look at some other midfielders. Um, 
I don't think he's a bad player at the level at all. Um, I think technically he's still got a lot to offer, but I just wonder whether you know is it time for a fresh start. I honestly don't have a strong opinion either way on that one, to be honest. But I think it will be will be really interesting to see what they decide. He's a captain, isn't he? Yeah, well, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I kind of agree. It, just, it feels like a lot of these, it's like it's not a personal thing. It's just like you've had three yeah. chan- you've had three yeah. goals, is it? And you failed. And I'd rather if I was, I'd rather keep power if power than scoring, like like a hundred times over. But like, I think I'd probably say, you know, it's probably time to to do something different, which is a shame because like really like him and his attitude and you know I think he he, he epitomizes what a Sunderland player should be in many ways. Um but I think it's just probably time to, you know for us to freshen it up and it's sad to say, but uh, no, yeah, no, I, I agree, and I do like him. And I, again, I wouldn't be like that gutted or disappointed, even I'm not gutted, it's a bit harsh, uh, a bit strong. I wouldn't even be, I don't think I'll be particularly disappointed if they do keep him because I do quite like yeah. him. But you say, but the overriding Same. thing is, it's <clears throat> it's that, like you say, we this squad of players aren't getting us promoted, they keep falling short, and we at some point do need to make some decisions some brave decisions to say we need to go and see if we can find somebody who can do the job and and power and scorn. Both fall into that into that category for me. The the centre midfielders and we haven't been good enough in that position. Ledbetter, I, I, I don't know if you could guarantee Ledbetter was going to be as good as he has been this season. I'll keep him, but it's another he's another year older, and it's 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 difficult, isn't it? Some difficult decisions to be made. But I think um, McGeady and um, White are the two ones that's sort of you know the big talking points. Um, I guess um, Aidan McGeady, I mean. Whatever you say about him and his age, Phil, top assist maker in the division. He only played from December. Uh, top assist maker, uh, top assist maker in the whole EFL. Is that right? I think I read. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, with fifteen, didn't he? After the second goal. Yeah, yeah. So it, was, it would have been sixteen. It was fourteen in the regular season. Set up two season. goals, didn't he? Yeah, yeah fourteen. So and then he, and then he 16, set up both. Yeah. yeah. So sixteen assists, which is. You know, considering he started in December is unbelievable. I think a big argument against McGeady that people like to say we rely on him too much and go from too much, and I think that's I think that's true. Um, but again, the challenge is to bring the rest of the team up a level, isn't it? So that's not the case. Rather than get rid of somebody who is just so goddamn important for us because he assists most of our chances. You you're taking a lot out of the team if you if you get rid of him, aren't you? Um did he not trigger an extension, Phil, by playing? Was that not a talking point before the game? No, I, I'm fairly sure that he waived it. Yeah, um, I imagine you know they the, probably would say, "Well, we'd keep you, but probably not on what you're getting paid." Yeah. That'll, that'll so, be... Just to just to clarify, there was some confusion around it, but Lee Johnson did explicitly right. confirm that if he started, he would not trigger the 12 months extension. So as okay. it stands, he's out of contract now. Whether he's waived that outright or whether they've come to some other kind of agreement, I don't know. But he is definitely, as it stands, out of contract. Um, just one, I mean, I just want to say on McGeady as well. Like, I think that's another example where, you know, there's been a lot said about McGeady and stuff. But this is a guy who's not had a pre-season since someone got relegated to League One because of injury. But he's been probably the key player all that time. Um, and that was another example. I don't think anyone can 
question is commitment to try and get someone promoted. Um, again, that's just my opinion, but I think he's shown he's shown that level of commitment, and I would try and keep him. But that's going to be a really interesting one because you know Lee Johnson's not been in any way shy in saying that he wants him to stay. He's already made his decision on that one. If you like, he wants him to be part of the squad, but. The question is whether the sporting director agrees in mm. terms of what kind and of McGee- contract. And McGeady likes it here, doesn't he? He really likes playing for Sunderland. I think, I think McGeady will want to stay. I've always got the impression that he feels really settled in the area, which I think is a big, big thing. Like him and his family seem to enjoy it. And I think that was part of the reason why he didn't choose to leave um, when he was kind of exiled under Parkinson permanently. I mean, I know he went on loan to chart. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a really interesting one in terms of dynamics between, behind the scenes. Because like I say, it's not like Johnson's dithering. Um, he's made his opinions clear but that'll be ultimately that's the sporting director's decision um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what judgment he makes on terms of you know the, the value of it if you like I just think with McGeady I think you know when you're in when you're watching every week and you know you, you've got those opinions and you know there'll be all sorts of sort of different opinions on his contribution his positive contributions like you say Stephen you've highlighted there but I just think, you know, sometimes we're overthinking a bit, don't we? And when you, when you hear the, every time it might just be pundit saying pundity things, but every time you've got ex-players or current players who are on, um, you know, doing the coverage on Sky, they always just go on about McGeady and how, you know, he's a, He's to almost constantly say that he's too good for like League One, which I don't necessarily agree with because I watched him in the Championship and he was very patchy. Um, and this is two years down the line, but these are ex-players, and you know, I'm not saying they all know better, but you know, I just think if we, if we, if we, let, if we let him, if we let him, if we let him go. <laughs> You know, and he rocks up somewhere else Sheffield in his Wednesday division. Somebody, for, I yeah. tell you, well, he probably won't. Be, he didn't have a very good time there last time, did he? Mm, um, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, if he rocks up, you know, somewhere and for you know, in this league, and we're watching him getting himself 10, 12 assists and eight goals. We'll I just think, you know, pe- people picking picking overthinking. I just think for all, you can, yes, we can, it is true to say sometimes we can override them and like give the ball to them. But if you think we just acknowledge what the first half performance was, that was just commitment. It was just blood and thunder commitment. Yet, if we didn't have his quality on the field, would we have created those chances to score the goals? And I, I know is the answer, I think. And I just think it's more, a ch- the challenge shouldn't be to get rid of him and find a replacement, the challenge should be to get the rest of the team yeah. and the rest of the players you bring in somewhere close or at the same as his level or better than that. That is that is how you build a team, isn't it? That is how you improve your team. You don't try and find like for like, you try and find better. And I just think it would be a, a massive mistake to, to to let him go, especially when he seems to be settled here. What you... What's people's good instinct on it? You've just said that Speakman's call that Phil, which is really interesting because the manager wants him. I think the majority of fans want him, and it sounds like he wants to stay. So this is a huge call for Speakman. This one. What What does your gut instinct tell you is going to happen? My gut instinct says it will stay because I think that if, as I suspect is the case, the will is there on his part to make it happen, then I think they'll be able to to come to something. And I hope that's the case because I I agree with you entirely. The solution is to find midfielders who have the same 
desire to have the ball and to take chances on the ball and to drive forward like he does. Um, my gut is he'll stay, but that is one that's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds. Okay, I just think it's very sort of football manager to have the opinion that we shouldn't play him because we rely on him too much. I just think it's you know you yeah. you miss you miss. I don't think entirely. To, to be fair, I don't think that's why they would not keep him. I think if they don't keep him, it'll be a judgment made on finance. Is his age and the finances yeah. involved in that? Do you know what I mean? It, it'll yeah. be because let's say for argument's sake, and this is me just speculating, not like a factual thing, but it would be McGeady saying he wants three years, for example, and Speakman making a decision that's not wise. Do you know what I mean? I don't think yeah. it would, it's definitely not a footballing thing. Um, it would more be about the the terms of the deal. Well, I think. We've seen before with McGeady and his contract, and you know, he's taken essentially a pay cut to stay at Sunderland initially. So when they did, when they re kind of hashed his contract and spread his kind of, Extend the Conrad but spread his original wages, I think, over the entirety of the new deal. I think that was the deal they did previously. So I think with McGeady, probably at this stage of his career, he's past the point of the last big payday. I mean, we were probably the last big payday, weren't we? Um, so now it's a case of, like you say, his happiness. And I think, you know, how important is money to him at this stage? He's probably made plenty of money, plenty of money now. Like it's probably about your football, like you say, your happiness. Um, and I think you know, I think he's, I think he'll stay. And I think come the end of the season, next season, if he does stay, I think he'll have a positive impact again. So I'm, I'm ha- more than happy if he stays. Yeah. Okay. Leaves us with Charlie Wake then. Um, which again, that's another one. Phil, would be interested if he does have that. Um option to extend it automatically because he scored 31 goals and frankly that would attract some clubs who haven't even watched him play like that that is just the way sometimes football works why wouldn't teams in the championship want to take a striker who scored 30 odd goals um in a season in league one that's a fact isn't it so he's going to have interest as well whatever your opinion of him yeah 100 percent. it's one of those isn't it where you almost think if there's a championship club who haven't looked at him you'd be thinking well what on earth are you doing because why wouldn't you look at a 31 goal striker in League One who's out of contract you know what I mean it's just it's just obvious isn't it because there's not many players score that many goals at that level but regardless of your opinion on White imagine if he was a penalty taker well exactly because he could Clark have had 37 near 38 goals this yeah. season Clark Harris had 8 or 9 penalties didn't he I think um, mm. for Peterborough so uh, he will definitely have interest um, I'm convinced of that and he'll want to keep him, won't he, for the same reasons? Like, again, it's interesting because some people mentioned that he got stick of the weekend and stuff, and that it was a sensational miss, by the way. But he um, he scored afterwards, do you know what I mean? And, like, this is what this is what happens. This is what happens with, with, with strikers. And, and some people, again, will say, like, you know, well, I know, but McGeady's putting them on the plate for him. He should be scoring. It, again, if you don't give him another contract, your job is then to go and find another striker who also makes the most of every single chance McGeady puts on a plate one. Because our experience, major aside, is that those strikers aren't easy to come by. Because in paper, Will Griggs should be doing that and he did nothing of the sort. So, again, it's just like, he is, he's limited in certain ways. And I think Ross Stewart had a better game than the weekend and looks like he's got more to his all-round game. Ross Stewart hasn't had a run on the side yet where we can see if he can put away all of those chances somebody like McGeady can make for him, though. Yeah, and I think Wyke, Wyke is 
his pressing game is pretty good as well. Like he does shut defenders down. Um, and I think that part of his game is underrated. Um, and I think that's another factor to consider as well because I don't really subscribe to the idea that he's just about. It's just about he does score the odd tap and doesn't do anything else. I don't think that's really fair. I think when someone's good, I think wipe off the ball is actually pretty important. Um, yeah, I think. Listen, I think with one Wikes, it's one of those situations we talked about McGeady and his situation. Like, I would look to keep Wike, but I do think Wike will have offers from the championship. And is he at an age now where it's a big opportunity for him yeah. to potentially go and get a three year deal from somebody? Yeah. I guess it depends um, what power we have over that, doesn't it? And Johnson, Johnson said a few times, not specifically to Wike, who, by the way, he has said he wants to keep, like, he, he does want to give him a new deal. Um, again, that won't be his call in the end or his kind of negotiations, but. Johnson said a few times, it's not just about who we want to keep, it's about what the players want to do and some of these players will want to play a high level and I've always felt that kind of White's one of the ones he's referring to there in terms of he will have interest and it will be his decision whether yeah. he wants to try and make that. I think, I think if Charlie White gets an offer from the Championship, I think he'll want to go, definitely. I and I think, he will get, I think he will get offers from the Championship yeah. just because of, regardless of what you think of his ability and stuff, he scored bloody 30-odd calls and he's the first player since Kevin Phillips to do it. And, you know, regardless of how good his all-round players or how cleanly he strikes the ball, he puts a ball in the back of the net and he's done it a lot. And it would, again, I think people are overthinking it a lot if they think it's it's a good recruitment plan if we had the power to keep him, to say, no, let him go, because, you know, he's not great apart from scoring all those goals. It's lunacy, because where are you going to find another 30-goal-plus mm. striker from? Um, I think he'll leave for the reasons you've said, Phil, but I... I think the club will try and keep him and I think they should try and keep him. Um, I thought it was interesting the thing about him getting stick because after he missed that chance, actually the South Stand chanting his name for a good five minutes after that to, to show him support. Was, you just get... Hey? I didn't sort of get the impression people were on him for that. No, neither did I, but then you read on... So This is what I'm saying. I, I think I must go to the match in my own little bubble. I'll be in my own little social media bubble because I've not seen... I didn't see him get stick off anybody in the ground. Like I said, they... They, they went out of the way to chant his name for a good five minutes after he missed that chance to get behind yeah. him, and then and then he scored again after that. When he went around the goalkeeper there, and it's easy to see it if he if he needed to hit it first time on his left foot, and then the ball got stuck under his feet, and then he's got a problem because he's got to think about what to do, and that's it just that's just how it played out. But yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd keep him, and but I don't think he'll stay. I think he'll go. He'll probably end up with for something like that. It's very yeah. like it's just a got lot, a feeling. I'm a just, lot of people like, are saying that feeling, but I, with good reason, I guess. He's holding down club, wants to stay in the area. You know, you're interested. Yeah. You're potentially getting somebody. There's no way. There's no way that a championship club won't take a chance on a player who scored thirty goals um, for free. I agree. It's he's free. They don't have to pay a fee, so they're going to have it. They'll have it. They'll have a good goal. The, the word from Middlesbrough has been that he's not on their list. Now, that might be double bluffing. I don't know. Um, but interestingly, that is the um, that has been the word from Middlesbrough. But we'll see on that one. Okay. So I think, you know, if we had your way, you'd want to keep White, you'd want to keep McGeady, um, you'd want to keep all nine. And I think we can establish there the only dead certs we've gone for with a couple, with a couple maybes. I think Hume's pretty much a dead cert. Oh, sorry, Hume. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Is O'Brien well, not out of contract as well? No, O'Brien signed two years. I'll double check that for you now. Did he really? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure. I thought, I thought he signed a year. I'll double check now, Gareth, but I'm pretty sure he signed two could years. Be, could be wrong. 
Well, while Phil does that, we'll just say, uh, you know, thanks for listening again and thanks for li- being with us. Yeah, two-year deal. Through two-year. another season. Um, and, you know, it will get better eventually. I'm sure of it. Um, it's going to be hard. But when does that retained list come, Phil? When, when are we expecting that? Well, they have to submit it by Wednesday. Obviously, yeah. what clubs normally do is they just say the players who they're in talks with. Um, but you don't have to release it publicly on Wednesday. So they'll have to submit to the AFL by Wednesday, but it could be a little while before we before we see. It. Okay, well, try and uh, distract yourself from from the from more play playoff misery as a football tournament in the summer. So that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Get behind England, the English, or get behind whichever country you support, um, and take your mind off it. And then it'll just be interesting to see what kind of approach we take because we're told this is a brand new world, um, and some people are skeptical about that. You know. Juan Satori being on the board, for example, and then tweeting stuff about Suarez when the match was on and just ignoring Sunderland entirely on Twitter, um, which is bizarre behaviour for somebody who's supposed to have a an interest in the football club he part or partly owns. So let's just hope that, you know, a lot of that is for is a front and this is a brand new this is a new dawn and um the pressure's on people like Christian Speakman to deliver. There's there's no getting away from that. We shouldn't be here. And I think it's fair that we all um, judge them on the transfer activity. Are you hopeful, people, before we leave? What's your positivity like? It's going to be difficult this year with it, in terms of the other teams, but, you know. I am, pos- I am positive, but I'm also really tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it's difficult uh... Know. Interesting. It's really, really fascinating us to see what kind of players they bring in. They've taught, like, you know, people keep on, he saw that he speaks well, he speaks well, he says this, we've got a plan, or he's saying this and he's saying that. Speaks in cliches, of, yeah, 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 but, you know, this is it. People like to hear these things. We're going to do this, we're going to do that. And, you know, well, and yes, it didn't have a long in January. You could argue, you know, like you say, Phil, the business in January wasn't great. Um, didn't seem to match really bring in anyone of significant um, in terms of the attributes that were lacking. So let's see what starts to happen when you know the f- first couple of signs are always the interesting ones, aren't they? Because people kind of go, "Oh well, if if you sign the best players first, people are usually happier with the, whatever comes afterwards. But if you sign sort of like squad type players first, and the better players later, people kind of don't more talk more negatively about your approach to the transfer window. I don't know, is that fair to say? That's like a general reflection, maybe, because it's that instant thing. Sets the tone. Know. Yeah, it does set the tone, even yeah. though it's like completely illogical because, you know, you, you need to get all your players in over that yeah. period of time. It doesn't really matter. And sometimes the easiest ones to sort out yeah. are the, the <laughs> ones that yeah. aren't going to set the pulses. Not in demand. Them. Yeah, not as yeah. in demand. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, I think, and you know, you know, you've you've they've got to they've got to ensure that you know the you know the the prove themselves correct in in what they say about you know we're going to do this and you know, these are the kind of players we want. It's going to be high tempo kind of thing, attacking football, whatever. All this they've got they've got if Lincoln can do it, if Lincoln can find these players and bring them in, and they haven't just done it this season. <clears throat> they're not other seasons <clears throat> so with their infrastructure and budget if they can do it we should be able to mm. 
especially if there is if the people in charge of doing it are as uh, you know good as they are, sounding confident and being able to deliver the plan, whatever that may be. Okay, well, watch out for those specials we mentioned this week, Chris Rushworth and uh, Steph Horton. So they should be really interesting. But in terms of where Sunderland are now, we probably will do something over the summer we normally do. Um, We'll have a couple of weeks off and then we'll get the taste for it again. And we might sort of, you know, whether it's season, previous season reviews or something, we'll, uh, we'll see. But for now, as always, thanks for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.